we interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So we play in the video to kind of let you know that this is the Sunday that most churches, the pastors have been working for a while in preparation of their annual Christmas message. In preparation of the message that they're declaring with regard to the baby Jesus being born in a manger and being placed in a, in a stable and being born to the Virgin Mary and Joseph being the foster dad and the wise men and the shepherds and the animals and King Herod being so hateful and the little village of Bethlehem. But we are going to do something different today. And the reason we're going to do something different is because I really feel in my spirit that the Lord wanted, wants me to teach a message from John chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, I ask you to open your Bible now to John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, it is a, a, a story of a woman who is at the well. Now, some of you might remember that I've taught on this a few weeks back, and I'll be addressing that in just a moment. But let me hit the pause button for just a second. Over the last year and over the ministry that the Lord has given to me, um, uh, I have tried to use a whole lot of props in teaching the messages. I think that visual aids help uh, people to remember the message even more. How many of you would agree with that, that with the more visual aids we get, it's, it's a little bit... Can anybody remember maybe a prop uh, that we've used here at New Life Church that, that you remember? Just holler it out. A towel, uh, yeah, a towel. A Q-tip, yes. What else? Dinner uh, the dinner table. What? French fry bag. That's been a while back. Man, that, that's that's like being OG there. Good. What else? The bell. The ring. Oh, the bell. The bell, baby. Anybody else? The chains. The weights. Oh yeah. Who? I don't know who it was in this gathering. That was lifting. Who was it? Marissa. Yeah, Marissa. Bless her. Bless her. She's back there. She. Oh yeah. She remembers the weights. Anybody? Anything else? The dining, we had the dining room table. Remember, what's that? The eye chair. Yeah, around the table. We had a poker table one time, poker chips. What else? An eraser. We did an eraser, racing Easter. Yes. The glass with the sand, the folded napkin. Gosh, you guys remembered a whole lot of things. Some of y'all going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, well, don't just hang with us because we try to use a lot of things to help you remember. It helps me. Jesus did this. Jesus used props in his teaching, uh, the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Um, one time, he was trying to get people to understand how much God the Father cares about them. So he's like, ah, the birds, look at the birds in the air. So he was using a prop. Look at the birds in the air. Uh, if, if one of them falls, does God not know that one of those sparrows fell to the ground, and yet it costs only one penny for two sparrows to purchase? They're very inexpensive. There's abundance of them. Yet God knows when one falls, and so God knows you. Because if God cares about the sparrows, how much more? If his eye is on the sparrow, then I know he watches me. I, what a great illustration. Another illustration he had was um, uh, he was preaching. He was preaching on the side of this hill, and people were listening to him intently, but then they started getting a little hungry. And when you start to get hungry, it very quickly can become hangry. You all know what I'm talking about. And so Jesus says, hey, we got to feed him. They're like, we don't have nothing to eat. He's like, what? You don't have nothing to eat? Sure you don't have nothing? Well, we just got this little sack lunch. And Jesus is like, great. It's a prop. So he he. Well, then let's feed him from the sack of lunch. So he fed like 25,000 people, because 5,000 is what it says in the Bible, but that's just counting the men. So about 20, 25,000 people were fed from that one sack of lunch. What a great prop, right? Uh, one of my favorite props is, is uh, Jesus didn't have a prop. 
so he had to get a prop because he's trying to teach the people about, um, about you know, God, I have the power, Jesus has the power over death, over even death. And so he's like, well, I've got to illustrate this because they're going to need a, I don't know if he's thought this or not, but I'm thinking this myself, I got, they're going to need a prop. And so what does he do? Well, he waits, he waits a little bit too long so his friend Lazarus, Lazy boy can die. And so Lazarus dies. Now he's got a prop. And so Jesus goes to the town and they're weeping and they're angry and they're going through the, the, whole, um, the whole process of grieving. And Jesus stands at, the, at, the, at the, the, the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up and comes out of the tomb and he's got the grave clothes still on him and they unwrap him and they spray some ax because it's stinky, right? It's been four days. And Lazarus is back to life again. You see, Jesus needed a prop. And he, listen, I think out of this story, Jesus, when he said, Lazarus, come forth, he's calling the dead things back to life again. I think he's calling dead things in your life back to life again. I think he's saying to you, the dead things that you thought were lost and gone and abandoned and you're, you're, you're discouraged about, he's saying, I'm calling them back to life again. That dream that you had in your life, God's calling it back to life again. He's speaking to your dead places. He's speaking to your disappointment. He's speaking to your depression and he's calling it back to life again. I believe that dreams of people here at New Life Church are gonna come back to life again. Can someone say amen? Now, I'm not sure if the 11 o'clock service has the clappers that the nine o'clock service had, but I want to know, can you clap your hands this morning and just say amen? Anyway, maybe you remember a message I preached many, many weeks ago entitled, I'm Thirsty. Now, I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't remember the message, but I remember the message. And, uh, and it, it was called, I'm Thirsty. I also shared this message in another church they invited us to come preach at. I'm thirsty. And remember, I gave you water bottles, and it was about this particular story. If you weren't here, it's okay. But what I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to me this week truly was um, I'm not supposed to give a traditional Christmas message. So I'm going to do that um, traditional. You know how traditional we are at New Life. I'm going to give a Christmas message tomorrow night. But today I want to give a sequel to the message, I'm thirsty. And so in John chapter 4 is where we're going to be hanging out at for most of our scriptures today. And I want to start by reading to you from the NIV in uh, the New International Version. We have it on the screen, and then hopefully you have your Bible with you. If not, make a note on your note sheet, and you can go back and reread the scriptures yourself. Never, ever, ever take somebody else's word for it. You study to show yourself approved. You make sure you know what scriptures say yourself. Can someone say amen? amen. So I'm reading to you from John chapter 4, verse number 31 is where we're going to begin. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Look at your neighbor and say, it's harvest time. Can you do that? Can you just do that? It's harvest time. It is harvest time. Lorenzo, it's harvest time. It's harvest. Can somebody say amen? It's harvest time in, I think you need to say it's harvest time to somebody else because that neighbor wasn't very excited. Turn to another neighbor and say, it's harvest time. Can you do that? It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Hallelujah. It's harvest time. 
This is another object lesson that Jesus uses in the Bible. Uh, it's another object lesson that he uses to express a principle. Look at verse number 35 one more time. I say one more time, but we'll probably read it a couple more times. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I don't know. I've never said that before. Have you ever said that before? It's not really a phrase that I say, so I'm not sure. When I look at that, I've, I actually read it this week, and I'm like, I've never said that before. Not one time in my life I've ever said four months more and then the harvest. But everybody say the word context. Now say it like you mean it. Context. We've got to understand scripture in context. I was born and raised in the great state of Iowa, Midwest state. It's a state that's known for farming. Uh, that's what everybody is connected with, some sort of farming. It seems like most people are. However, I was not raised as a farming, a part of a farming family. I worked a lot on farms, did a lot of baling of hay, did a lot of walking of beans, did a whole lot of detasseling of corn. It's how we made money when we were kids and uh, teenagers. Uh, but I never really, I mean, had to, had to hoe the garden. Uh, but I never really, never really, you know, I don't know the vernacular of the farming life. Anybody raised as a, in a farm family? Anybody here at all? All right, good, right on, good. So you kind of know some of the vernacular. My kids are raised in a pastor's family, right? So they wouldn't, yep, that's right. So they know that the vernacular, they know that the Christmas Eve candles are always set up by the, the pastor's kids. Yeah, they know that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, they know the vernacular of, of, of a pastor's kind of family. If you're a school teacher, then your vernacular is very good. Very, very, is that, is that correct to say very good? Very well, very Wonderful. I don't know. Your, your vernacular. So it, depending on how you're raised, you understand the verbiage and so forth. But when I hear the word harvest, <laughs> this boy gets excited. Because when I hear the word harvest, Craig, what I'm thinking about is I'm, I'm thinking about um, blessing. I, I've waited. I've worked hard. I've plowed. I've planted. I've watered. I've weeded, I was patient, I cried it many times, I, I paced myself, I prayed a whole lot, and now it's time for the harvest, and it's the harvest time, it's palatable. I'm so excited. We know that in our own lives too, not just speaking like, like broad brushstrokes, but very narrow brushstroke for yourself. Uh, the Bible says, uh, God can't be mocked, a man reaps what he sows, Galatians 6, verse number 7. It's just a biblical principle. That goes for somebody who knows Jesus. It goes for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It's a biblical principle. You're going to reap what you sow in your life. And we spent a lot of time teaching about that here at New Life over the years and a lot of podcasts and stuff that you can listen to if you're more curious. But, but we believe that principle. Um, we believe it. And so when I sow something, some of y'all are going, man, I've sowed into my kids. And they're brats. <laughs> so when am I, I going to reap something? Hold on. Harvest time's coming. Some of you say, I've sowed into this marriage. I've sowed into this. I'm not perfect. I'm, I've made a lot of mistakes. I, 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 I want to be better. I've sowed into it. When am I going to reap? Harvest time is coming. I, some, some of you say, I, I, I've sowed into my education. I've sowed into my preparation. I've sowed into when am I going to get advancement? When am I going to make enough to make the ends meet? Harvest time is coming, right? Because it's a biblical principle. You reap what you sow. And so if you've sowed good things, you can expect to receive. Good. I mean, you have, you have the same journey. And when we serve the Lord and we're on that journey, you wait, you work hard, you plow, you plant, you weed, you water, you were patient, you cried a whole lot, you prayed a whole lot, you paced yourself. Now it's time for the harvest. The excitement is 
palatable. It's time to finally reap what we've sown in our lives. And it's at that point that I can sit back and enjoy the bounty of it all. Someone say amen. Amen. You're wrong. Because those of you that are from a farming family know that that is not a true statement. It's not a true statement. When I hear harvest, I think blessing. I think miracle. I think breakthrough. I'm excited when I hear the word harvest, harvest time. But for those of you that are connected with farming families, for those of you that would understand, everybody say context. Not everybody said it. Everybody say context. Good. We'll keep on rolling a little bit faster if you'll cooperate with me. When it's harvest time, you understand there's no sleeping in. When it's harvest time, uh, the corn's not going to pick itself. When it's harvest time, you have to bring in the harvest. The harvest time means payday to the farmers. All the farmers are like, what, what, right? Because when you're a farmer and you get paid once a year, you're going to bring in the harvest. It might seem, you're gonna, when you interview farmers and talk to them, they're going to say, I love getting on the tractor. You see, what, they're, what they are is it's work, but it's much closer to the finish line work. You follow me? Mm-hmm. But most farmers would say harvest is the hardest part. That's when you're waking up the earliest. That's when you're going to bed the latest. The harvest is here. <laughs> Only this time when I said the harvest is here, you're not quite so excited. Why? Because context. Because we understand the context now. But, um, because uh, uh, we, um, the Bible is not like Krispy Kreme that has the hot and ready sign flashing, right? Now get me in there and get a donut. The Bible is not like a drive-thru at McDonald's. It's not like a drive-thru. You're on your phone, and someone in there is making the meal for you, and you drive through, and you grab the bag, and off you go. That's not what, that's not what serving Jesus is all about. It, harvest equals work. Can someone say yes? A business owner. Saves money, wants to start a business, works really hard at a job he or she probably does not enjoy. And they work really hard for years to save and save and save. They're not doing the things their friends are doing. They're not vacationing the way their friends are vacationing. They're not purchasing the stuff that people are purchasing. Why? Because they want to start a business. And so they save their money up. They research locations. They negotiate a lease. They buy the inventory. They hire the employees. They train the employees. They create a marketing plan. They execute the marketing plan. And finally, the day comes to open the business. And they look outside the store window when they're getting ready to open up and unlock the door. And there is a line going around the block of people waiting to come in the store to buy the product they have inside. And the boss says, hallelujah. The boss goes into his office, opens up the computer, turns on Netflix, and begins binge watching with his feet up and drinking a Diet Coke. Is that how it works? Not at all. Because harvest means you still have to work. There is work involved with the harvest. Somebody said to me the other day, I wrote it down, they said, I can't wait to hear what you downloaded to preach on next week. They were really trying to be complimentary. If that's you, just relax. Um, um, I can't wait to hear what you downloaded to preach next week. What they were saying was, uh, I really enjoyed the message this week. I can't wait to hear what you downloaded to preach next week. I, I got to just respond to that. I didn't download it. You got to dig it out. You got to work for it. You got to find it. You got to study to show yourself approved. Listen, when you receive something, it takes a whole lot of work on somebody else's part. See, they're sowing so that you can reap. Can somebody say Amen. And in your life, it's that way. Somebody always has to sow so that somebody else can reap. It's the principle of inheritance. Somebody sowed, 
so somebody can reap. So in John chapter 4, Jesus had just got done talking to the Samaritan woman, a woman from Samaria at a well, Jacob's well. doesn't matter what well, but at this particular well. And so he's visiting with her, and he's speaking to this woman. And if you remember, during this story, Jesus' disciples were traveling with him. And they had gone a long way out of their way to be able to get to this Samaria. They could have gone a straight line, but they decided to go out of their way because Jesus had to go to Samaria. And so they're standing, they're in Samaria, and the disciples are like, Jesus, you want to go with us? We're going to go grab some in and out Would you want to come with us? And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to hang right here. You guys go ahead and get yourself um, a double cheeseburger with no pickles and no onions because that's the way the Messiah would eat it, Nate. That's what I'm talking about, right? And so, and so they go off to get their, they go off to get their in and out no, there wasn't really in and out then. Don't be all. And they go off to get their lunch back in the town, and Jesus is sitting here, and he accidentally has a meeting with a woman from Samaria. And it's no accident, it's divinely orchestrated by God. God meets you when you're least expecting it. And let me tell you what he does he will set you up, sucker. He'll set you up. That's what he does. And he sets this woman up. And uh, look at John chapter 4, verse number 15. Back up. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Originally, in this conversation, Jesus is like, um, uh, he's talking to a woman who is very thirsty. Uh, And she's thirsty, not only in the real sense, but she's thirsty in the urban dictionary sense of the word thirsty. uh, because uh, she's uh, the Urban Dictionary, she's thirsty, if you know what I mean. She's thirsty because she has had five husbands, and the one she's now with is not her husband. She's shacking up with a guy. She's apparently thirsty for something. And Jesus is addressing her thirst, and he says, He's thirsty, give me a drink of water. And she's like, Sir, you don't have a bucket to put the water inside. And, and this is, Jesus is trying to get her to see that, woman, you are the bucket because I am the living water. And if you will drink from me, you will never thirst. Do we have any buckets in the house of God this morning that would say, I'm a, come on, is there anybody? Thank you, there's one. I'm a bucket for the Lord. You're a bucket for Jesus Christ. God, fill me up with living water. That's what I want. I want to be filled up so that I can empty it out. When I go home on a Sunday, if I'm not dead dog tired, I'm not quite sure I've done my job. And you maybe haven't done yours either. You see, we should be pressing in to what God has for us. And so he's setting her up. And, 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 and snap, the trap goes off because she says in verse number 15 there, once again, she says, uh, give me the water so I won't have to be thirsty. Keep coming here and drink this water. And then in verse number 16, Jesus got her right where he wants her. He says, go and call your husband and come back. And she's like, well, what had happened was, because <laughs> you, know, you know the story and Jesus already knew the story. And then in verse 17 and 18, I have no husband. She replied, and Jesus is like, dude, lady, you are correct, because I know you better than you know. He doesn't say that in here, but that's, I, I know he's thinking that. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What you've just said is quite true. Just fast forward. The woman then leaves the conversation. She's so excited about what, what she, the conversation that she had, she goes back into Samaria, into the city, which happened to be the same city the disciples were at. She may have passed them. She may have passed them. What's up, fellas? She goes back into the city, and she tells everybody. 
She tells everybody about this man who told her everything she ever did. And they're like, is he the Messiah? And she's like, well, come and see. By the way, isn't that the greatest invitation you can give to somebody? Why don't you just come and see? Just come and see. Man, that's the invitation. I would challenge you to use that one. By the way, on the back of those invite cards we gave you, you're gonna, you are going to pick up because Trent said you're going to pick them up, and I'm agreeing with that. We made them in matte. That means on the back of them are blank. You can write on those real easily. Man, what I would do is I'd hand somebody, say, just come and see. Uh, you know what, uh, somebody you may be at work, come and, you know what, I'm going to write my cell number on the back of this, and when you get in the lobby, text me. Or when you walk in the church, text me, and I'll meet you in the lobby, and you can come sit next. Just come and see. Just make it, make it easy for somebody. We, listen, this isn't about, tomorrow night is not about candles singing to candles. If you think that, you are so far off the mark. This is about reaching people at the best time of the year to introduce them to the best relationship they could ever have. And so I want you to partner with us. We're going to have more chairs, both gathering South Stockton campus. We've invited them, but I want you to invite people. Listen, out of the five, statistics say that one out of those five will actually come. So invite five. Hope for one, but be there. Don't just like put them on somebody's window and, you know, that's like, that. make it more personal. Dude, I just really want to invite you to join me. Um, what are they going to say? No? Are you okay if they say no? Sure you are. You got your big boy bloomers on. You'll be fine, right? It's not a rejection of you. It's just they're not ready yet. Just invite them. Just invite them. Hmm. I digress. Verse number 19, Jesus said to the woman, or as she says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Mm. I think you're on to something, is what she says. So she goes back to Samaria carrying this living water. And then this is where we pick up the story from last time. This is where the sequel begins. This is what the Lord showed me. Are you ready for this? Now the disciples come back from the town, and they done did have lunch, right? They, had, they filled their bellies up. They went to hometown buffet, and they got a lot, lot of good food. And now they're coming back, and they thought, oh, we got to bring Jesus some food because he's probably hungry too. And uh, so they picked Jesus something up. I don't know if they got him a, I don't know what they got him. They got him something. So they bring Jesus back a doggy bag. And they're trying to get Jesus to eat something. And they hand the food to Jesus. But Jesus pushes them away. Now they're just trying to be nice to Jesus because they know he's hungry. But then look at verse number 32. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. In other words, I got something that sustains me that you guys cannot even see. I, something on the inside. Does anybody have something on the inside of them that sustains you today? That's why you can praise God in the middle of your problems. That's what Jesus is trying to teach them. But these poor disciples... They just didn't get it. I know that because in verse number 33, it says, then his disciples said to each other, uh, did you get him some food? Did you get him a protein bar? Because uh, he said he didn't want nothing to eat. Why are they confused? Boy, this is good. I just, I'm telling you, this is really good. It's got to be good because it's not from me. Because... Because his disciples are meal-minded. They're meal-minded. Now, this is all going to make sense in just a second. They're meal-minded. They've got their minds on the next meal. They've got their minds on the next compliment. They've got their minds on the next relationship. They've got their minds on the next thing on their to-do list. Or for some of you, they've got their minds on the next crisis in their life. But that's what their focus. Eat something, Jesus. Boy, 
Get out of my face, Jesus says. Hey, I, listen, I need you to know that you're not feeding me right now. I am feeding you, and you need to start paying attention to what I'm trying to teach you because this is a lesson that's going to change everything for you in your life. I'm working on things you have no idea. By the way, some of you this year, and I'm so proud of you, some of you this year, man, this is why some of your friends don't understand you right now. And the reason is, is because they're still thinking about the meal, but you've got your mind on the mission that God has called you to in your life. And it is something so high, so incredible, so powerful that they don't even get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. Anybody mission-minded in the house this morning? Man, I hope you are. I'm on mission. That's why I'm determined. I'm on mission. That's why I'm focused. I'm on mission. That's why I got up this morning uh, and, and came to church when I had something else that I would have rather done, but instead I gave up the thing I would have rather done, and I invested in the thing that's more important because I'm on mission. I'm not about the next meal. Hmm. Why was Jesus even in Samaria? He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have been there. In fact, um, Everybody knew that in that culture, Jews did not connect with Samarians. And I thought, Lord, how can I paint a better picture for people to really understand this? Everybody say context. Context is everything because um, uh, we use the word Samaritan. And when we use the word Samaritan in our culture, we say they are such a good Samaritan, right? Oh, look at him. Thank you, young man, for holding the door for me. A little old lady says, you're such a good Samaritan. And I'm like, thank you for calling me a young man. <laughs> uh, or you help somebody with a chore. You mow their lawn or, or you go get the, the, their newspaper for them and bring it to the door. I mean, we call those people good Samaritans. In that culture, that would have been nuts, ridiculous, foolish. You don't even think, you can't put the words good and Samaritan together. That would be saying, my, 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 what a good terrorist you are. That would have been like saying, wow, what a nice young ISIS man. Yes, that's exactly what it would have been. They would never have accepted good Samaritan back then. The Samaritans represented 500 years of hostility. 500 years. Listen, the United States of America pales in its age compared to that. 500 years of racial tension, 500 years of cultural differences, of, of discrimination, 500 years of terrorist acts, 500 years of this. And this is the place that Jesus said at the beginning of John chapter 4, dude, I want you to reroute Siri, reroute Siri, all right? Uh, Garmin GPS, I'm not gonna go the most direct route. I wanna go the route through Samaria. I have to go to Samaria. And everybody had to be looking at him like, mm, you're the Messiah, buddy. I feel like you're nuts right now, right? Hmm. Somebody say, I'm on mission. Come on, say it like you mean, I'm on mission. Some things I can't do in this season because I'm on mission. There are some things I have to say no to in this season because I'm on mission. There are some things they're going to have to wait in this season. And when I say this season, I am not talking about the Christmas season. There are some things that at this chapter in my life are going to have to be put on hold. Why? Because I'm on mission, because it's harvest time. And it's not going to pick itself. And the truth is, I had better reap before it rots. Listen, some of you keep praying for the blessings of God. 
And I am here to tell you that your blessing, it's ready, but you need to reap. It's time to bring in the harvest. You're like the disciple. I, I thought about Xing this part out in my message because it's Christmas time and you're supposed to be nice to everybody. But the truth is, some of us, some of you are like the disciples and you've got your mind more fixed on your happy meal than you do with what Jesus is talking about, the harvest. You're meal-minded. How many more days are you gonna waste focusing on your meal? What am I talking about, meal-minded? I'm talking about focusing on things like comfort. Oh, here's one, convenience. How about this one, preference? Now, I'm right and sloppy, but you get it. When you're meal-minded, you're totally focused on your own comfort. That's what you live for, the next meal. When you're meal-minded, you're focused on convenience in your life. And don't you dare get in my way, because everything better be convenient. And when you're meal-minded, it's about you. It's all about me. You're meal-minded. And I think it's time to bring the harvest in. Some people came to church today to eat. And that's fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm glad you're, you're here to eat. It's good. It's okay to do that. I'll feed you. And my job is to make sure I feed you with some seasoning to it, right? And try to, try to feed you with a little bit of pepper in it. Uh, get, make sure it's got some flavoring in it. You know, to feed you. We want to make sure nobody leaves this place hungry. But how long are you going to come here and just eat? How long, aren't you ready to start reaping something in your life? Aren't you ready to see what God wants to do through you instead of, instead of just consuming? Wow. There are so many people in this church that are doing that. Many of you are there. Uh, there are people that are serving right now in our kids' rally. Uh, why do they keep doing that? Why do we have, I just brag on them for a second, why do we have Michael just re-up? And volunteer for another year. See, your internship here at New Life is one year, and then you get a re new assignment. And when we sat down with that young man, uh, the wannabe in our family, when we sat down with that young man and, and we said, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what internship assignment do you want to consider for next year? He's like, I would like to continue doing the kids' rally uh, uh, for another year at New Life Church. And so when we talked to him a little bit further, you know what it is? It's because that young man understands what reaping is now. Uh, why did we have uh, uh, kids you teachers that many of you were in here you taught you, you you come here at the crack of dawn so to speak and you teach those classes during the first gathering you've prepared and you love and I was back there this morning we got teacher John is bragging just weeping over these kids I'm telling you what why do we have that happen because I understand what reaping is all about why do we have people sh smile when they don't feel like smiling to greet you at the doors? Why do we have people show up for hospitality in the welcome center? Why do we have people usher uh, in the church? Why do we have people sacrifice a Thursday night to come and help us start another campus in South Stockton? And why do they keep showing up? Because you understand, you understand what re reaping's up. Some of y'all are janitors in the church. You're and if you want to be a part of that ministry, let us know. So you're, just, you're showing up at odd hours and you're just cleaning. And nobody knows. Why do you do that? Because you don't understand what reaping's all about. Some of you are fixing, you're preparing, trying to correct my English, you're preparing this next year to enter into ministry, uh, something, something that you never imagined that you could be a part of.
And you're going to very quickly, you're going to start off thinking, man, this is going to be work. How am I going to make this work out? And very quickly, it's going to transition. I promise you, very quickly, the transition to, ah, I get more out of this than I ever thought I would have to give from my, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I get, I get, I get, because I understand the law of sowing and the law of reaping. Some of you are quiet reapers. You're prayer warriors behind the scenes, and you've never even told us that you're praying for us. And you're standing in the gap, you're pleading the blood of Jesus Christ, and you're praying, and, and I'm telling you what, you, why are you doing that? You're not getting any praise, you're not getting any attention, nobody ever knows, and nobody's ever gonna say that at your funeral, because nobody knows, but you understand the law of sowing and reaping, and you're reaping, and you're, you love it, because you're seeing what God is doing in the ministry, and you realize you're the fuel to the fire, and that God is doing something through your prayers. I'll tell you what, if you're a volunteer, whether you're known or not known in the church, would you just clap right now in the name of Jesus? We just appreciate our volunteers at New Life Church. Today, you, everybody, gets to decide what level you're going to live on. Are you going to live on the level of meal, or are you going to live on the level of mission? Which one are you going to choose? The level of meal or the level of mission? A few weeks ago, uh, we took an offering in November. We called it our miracle offering, first one we ever did take. And we were praying that God would give us, get this, one offering of $20,000. And it was gonna be an absolute miracle. Now, I was, I believed that the Lord would give it to us in my spirit, can I say that? But I was preparing in my flesh how to say, we brought in $4,000. I'm so very proud of you guys. And we're gonna, you know what I'm saying? But the Lord came through and I'm proud to tell you that in one service or one, one Sunday, it, the total tally is just a few dollars shy, not a 20, but of $30,000 that came in. Come on now, give the Lord praise for that. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What I wanna say to you is that's more than we received in our first year of planning this church. In one Sunday, why, why? because you're living on mission. Because you're not living for the meal, you're living for the mission. You didn't, you didn't give because of some great mighty goal, you gave because you see the mission. You're vested in the mission, you buy into the mission. We're on mission with Jesus. Reminds me of a guy who uh, came up to me a few, well, a while back, if you're here, just relax. Um, he came to me a while back and he said, uh, Pastor, I just love it when you guys take the tithes and offerings. And I said, I'm sorry, could you say that one more time? He said, Pastor, I love it when you guys take the tithes and offerings. And I said, did you, did you just say tithes? Like the, the detergent? Tithes and offerings. He's like, yeah, but not the detergent. He's like, the ocean. I said, really? He said, yeah, you know, like, like I feel like I'm stuck in a rut, like my, my, my boat can't go anywhere. And you take the tides, and the tide comes in, and, and it raises my boat, and all of a sudden I'm not stuck anymore, and I'm free, and I can move about, and I feel like that's what God does in my life. So thanks for taking the tides and offerings. And I said to myself, Lord, do I correct him? Because this is beautiful. But I went in and told him to save him embarrassment later. I said, well, it's actually not tides and offerings. It's tithes, T-I-T-H-E-S, tithes. It means a tenth, right? So God says, you know, bring back to the storehouse, the church, a tenth of everything that I own anyway. <laughs> and so he's like, just give it back to me. And so we take those offerings and that's what funds everything that we do. Oh, he says, but I really liked that whole tithes and offerings. Uh, 
I told him, I said, do you want to know what the secret sauce to giving is? And when you say the phrase secret sauce, people lean forward, don't they? They want to know what's the secret sauce. The secret sauce to giving, the secret sauce to serving, the secret sauce to volunteerism, the secret sauce to it all is this, is, is when you're, let's talk about giving. When your giving of your tithe becomes a mission rather than a meal, you got it. It happens when you see bringing in your offering or your volunteerism, your hours or whatever it is, as a blessing rather than as a sacrifice. You see, when we give, we're meal-minded if all we're doing is giving because we know that God's going to give back to us. But when we're mission-minded, we don't really care about God giving back to us. We care about God saving the world. We care about God making an eternal impact through his creation. And so what happens is that's when God provides the meal. You see, the secret sauce is found in mission rather than in the meal. Listen, you'll never know the harvest if you don't sow the seed. And you'll never sow the seed if all you do is eat it. Let me say this. This is really good. The seeds of your future are in the faithfulness of today. The seeds of your future are in the faithfulness of today. And so when you find yourself hungry and you find yourself thirsty, you default back to your old saying. The old saying is four months more and then the harvest. Four months more and then the harvest. That's what Jesus pointed out in John chapter four. We said, we read again, verse number 35. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Hmm. The disciples are like, yeah, 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 Jesus, we, we know the harvest is in four more months. Mm, we'll do it then. And Jesus is like, listen, stop. Would you guys stop looking down at the sack lunch that you brought me? Quit looking at the waffle fries and the strawberry milkshake. And would you look up for just a second? And would you see that the fields are ripe for the harvest? Would you do that? And they're staring down at the lunch and they're confused as to why Jesus doesn't want to eat. Then why did he just chew me out when I was just trying to bring him a meal because I know that my Savior is hungry? And Jesus says, look and see, the fields are ripe for the harvest. And finally, they look up and what happens? Do you, what do they see? Do they see the, the luscious fields, the amber waves of grain? Do they see the brown corn stalks ready to be harvested? Do they see the fields ripe for the harvest? Is that what they see? No. That is not what they see. They look up and they see crowds of people. Where in the thunder do these crowds of people come from? From the Samaritan woman who was at the well, who Jesus introduced living water to, who then said, I can't contain this anymore. I had better go invite somebody so I can just tell them, come and see. Just come and see for yourself. And so she goes back into the town. A woman goes back into the town. In that culture, a woman didn't talk to a man, but she went back into the town and told everybody to come and see. And so this crowd, this herd of people is standing there, and the disciples are looking down, and Jesus says, just pay attention. Take a look, and you can see and look up. And they do, and they see. And they see this crowd of Samaritans, and they get frustrated. Remember the comparisons I made? ISIS, terrorists, yeah, they get frustrated. These are the people that have oppressed their people. These are the enemy. 
the disciples tell Jesus, hey, Savior, Messiah, we want to hear more about this harvest thing. Give me two minutes because I got to go chase off these Samaritans really quick because they're kind of bothering me right now. And Jesus is like, you're still not getting this. Then it happens. Trap goes off. They discover, they realize that what they've been calling a problem, God calls the harvest. What you call a problem, heaven calls the harvest. We tend to think that we're going to wait until everything is right in our life. Everything is right. When everything's right, Troy, then I'll help people. I'll help others. I promise you I will. When everything's right in my life, I'll volunteer. When everything's right in my life, I'll give. I promise you I'll give. When everything's right in my life, I'll invite people like crazy. No, just give me one stack, but maybe next year, give me two. But don't ask me this year because everything's not right in my life right now and I couldn't possibly be used. And I'm telling you, sir, I'm telling you, ma'am, you are wrong. The harvest is here. You see, the encouragement that God comforted you with this year is the very same encouragement that God wants to comfort other people through you with. The, the, the healing that God provided to you in your body, in your spirit, in your mind, that same healing is intended to heal other people through you to point people to Jesus Christ. The harvest is here. I see a harvest on the horizon for our church. I see a harvest on the horizon for the churches across the street and around this community. I see a, I see a harvest on the horizon for us as our families, as our church family, as individuals. I think that, the, it, guys, it is harvest time for the kingdom of God. I believe that with everything in me. And what does it look like, Troy? Well, it looks like problems. Well, you know, the harvest looks like a lot of work. The harvest looks like early mornings. The harvest looks like late nights. And I'll tell you this, the harvest is not going to come easy. And it's not cheap. If the devil can keep us from recognizing the harvest, then he'll keep us from reaping the harvest. If the devil can keep us from recognizing the harvest, then he'll keep us from reaping the harvest. I know that you know how you've been wanting God to help you be a better person. God to help you be a better dad. God to help you be a better mom. God to help you be a better husband or a better wife or a better worker or a better employer. Or God to help you be a better student or a better friend. You've wanted God to make you a better person. You know how you've been wanting God to work in your heart, right? Just say yes. What if... Now you listen to me, please, as I close. What if God is using the hardest things in your life right now to do in your heart what you've been asking for all along? And we fight it and we say, God, would you just deliver me from this? Would you, would you bring me out of this or bring me through this? What if God is using the hardest things you're going through right now to give you the very thing that you asked for? I've known couples, um, and maybe you've been there, and you're one of these, where one got cancer, and 
or a serious disease. And what happened was they became closer than they ever were before in their decades of being together. Nobody wants cancer, and I'm not asking for a disease, and I would never want that for any of us. I'm not declaring that, but, but if you have to go through it, then you should at least reap something from it. Can you say yes? So those of us have been so focused on what we don't have. Four more months, and then the harvest. It, it's like it never is going to happen. You're focused on what you don't have. I declare that the harvest is here. How many times have I missed my mission because my mind was on the meal? Because my mind was on my comfort. Because my mind was on my convenience. My mind was on my preferences. How many times have I missed my mission because my mind was on the meal of the moment? And I'm asking, where's the food? Where's the food? Where's the food? WTF, right? WTF. Context people, right? Where's the food? And that's what we do. We gotta get our minds off the meal. And so I want to declare a couple things in closing. I declare that 2019, just a couple short weeks, is a year of harvest for us all. But it is not, it is not going to come without a cost. And it all begins today, right now, at, 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 at 1230. It begins right now. And here's how it is. Trin shared some things with you. And um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come tomorrow night to a Christmas Eve gathering and a bunch of candles just singing to each other. I think that's ludicrous. I think we need to gather together and we need to gather together and let our light so shine before men that they can see our good deeds and praise our Father which is in heaven. And so I'm hoping that tomorrow night you'll cooperate with me and just take a risk. Invite somebody to come with you. You know what? The Lord prompted me in my heart in the middle of the night this week and I woke up and I texted the, the staff and asked them what they thought. Maybe it was just something I ate the, night, the, the evening before and they all agreed it was God. So uh, we were able to call and talk to the manager at Save Mart, who is a friend of our church, and uh, he was able to get for us everything. That, it, don't tell your kids, okay? So the kids in here, shh, just to pretend you don't hear this. But it's just we wanted to get every kid that comes tomorrow night a gift. And here's what the Lord gave me. He said, so we, we, uh, he, we did it. We went and bought um, uh, five, six bags, like 50 um, uh, Funfetti cake mix boxes. And so we're going to give every kid a cake mix box when they leave. And we're going to challenge them through New Life Church to go home and on Christmas bake a birthday cake for Jesus Christ and have a party at your home and talk about it as a family. And so I think that's a really cool gift that we're going to do. You know, our job is to just foster, is to facilitate good things that are happening. And so can you imagine if, if, if one of your kids comes home and you're like, oh, I'm going to make a cake. But when they say, can we make a birthday cake for the Messiah? You're probably going to be like, okay, let's make the birthday cake, right? And you turn that into a moment with your children. Now, some of you probably already do that, but we're, we're going to just take it to the next level. Uh, so invite people. We got gifts for you guys. You don't come for the gifts, but we got gifts for every family is going to get a gift tomorrow night that ladies in the church have been working hard on, and uh, and, and I'm really proud of it. It's going to be exciting. So a gospel message, one hour. Be here tomorrow night. But here's another one. Hey, people, check out. You know the least attended um, uh, Sunday usually in the calendar year is the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's. Why? Well, uh, you know what I did? I put probably one of the most powerful illustrated messages that the Lord has given to me next Sunday because I want you to come. And this, this message has one focus, and I'll tell you, all right? It has one focus.
give your life to Jesus Christ. It is a powerful salvation message, and it's called, It's All About the Door. It's all about the door. And so I want you to invite somebody. Be courageous about this and invite somebody. Be with you at church next Sunday. A good segue as they come to Christmas Eve. Say, dude, you gotta be at this thing on Sunday. Why don't you come sit with me too? The worst thing they'll say is no. Ask them. Oh man, I'm so excited about this. I put one of these back here. I wanna show you. You can invite people to join us starting in January, first Sunday in January. We're starting a new series here at New Life Church called Savage Savior. It's a message about Jesus. And that's a picture of just kind of a rendition of Jesus coming out of the tomb. I don't think he just came out and just, I think he's just, it's mission time. It's time, right? I think he came out and he's like going for it. So we're gonna spend, we're gonna spend several months, three months leading up to Easter talking about Jesus and the gospels and how he's a savage savior. And how that's, a, that's kind of a, um, an urban dictionary term, savage is. And so we're gonna use that term and relate to our culture. But man, we're gonna show how Jesus did things counterculture. He went against the flow. It's gonna be awesome. Invite somebody. You know what, these signs, we got like 50 of them. So the yard signs, the city won't let us put them around the city, but you can put them in your own yard. So next Sunday, we're gonna give them out. Take one, put it in your yard. You're like, maybe it'll spur a conversation with like your gardener or your neighbor or something. And you're like, what? You know what, what you should say is, come and see. Just come and see. Pretty exciting. It's gonna be awesome. I'm telling you, you gotta invite people. And, and I'm not gonna be, share it on Facebook, share it on the gram, on Instagram, share it on Twitter. Get it out there. Don't tell me you have no people to invite. You wanna know why I say that? Because I have listened to you for the last year or more. Tell me about all the problem people in your lives. I know that because of all the amen and going on during the triggered series. I know you got problem people in your life. Maybe you're spending too much time looking at your, your strawberry milkshake and your waffle fries and you don't realize that they're the harvest. They're the ones. The people that are in your life are the people that are in your life. They're the mission. And if you just pray that they'll go away or dissolve a relationship with them, God is a good and gracious God. He'll give you somebody even better in your life. Because God wants to use you, like Trinity said earlier, to be a catalyst for change in their spirit. <laughs> it's harvest time! And I want you to be a part of that harvest with me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And praise God. Father, thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you for your word that will never return void. Thank you for these 12 people that were baptized in water today, demonstrating their testimony of faith and walking the walk of grace with you. Thank you, Lord God, for the, uh, the team that put together, uh, the interns that put together our drama to illustrate this thing. Thank you, Lord, for a worship team that never stops, that never quits, because they understand the law of reaping. God, thank you for all the volunteers that serve here at New Life Church, and thank you for this family. Now, Lord, may the words that, that we spoke of today seep into the very being, the core of our being, and change us from the inside out. 
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I got to ask the question. I wonder if somebody's here today and would say, you know what, Troy? I have been pretty meal-minded in this area of my life. I've been meal-minded when I think about this person or when I think about this thing or I think about this job or I think about this family. I've been meal-minded when I think about my call. I've been focusing on the next thing instead of focusing on my mission. And Jesus is saying to you, boy, don't try to put that lunch in my face because I've got food that you know nothing about. And I'm trying to teach you something. I want you to be mission-minded and quit being meal-minded. Take your focus off the Happy Meal and put it on the harvest is what Jesus is saying. And if you're gonna receive that message from the Lord today, if that's something that God is stirring inside of you and you're like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. I understand. I receive this from you today. Then with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to slip your hand up as a testimony to God and say, God, that is me. And then put it right back down again. Come on now. Yes, hands going up all over the place. God, that is me. Is there anybody else? God, that is me. I'm gonna set aside the meal-mindedness and I'm gonna be mission-minded from now on in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see the hands and more importantly, you see the hearts. Minister by your grace, power, mercy, and love in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I just about said I'm sorry for going 10 minutes over, but I would be a lie. I'm not really sorry for going 10 minutes over, but I'm really glad that you guys stuck with me and hung with me. And next Sunday, tomorrow night's going to be a guest night. Next Sunday's going to be a guest Sunday because I, I, I expect you're going to do your job. So let me just speak to your family for a minute. Uh, on behalf of my wonderful, beautiful wife, the director of our counseling center, Keely, and on behalf of my incredible children, Trinity and, uh, and little, little Brindley in, inside, and, 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 uh, and Kyra and, and Tasha, who's back there at the rally, and, and Kyler, and along with Brian, my son-in-law, Trinity's husband, and Matt, who's working today, he's that proverbial Am, uh, uh, Amazon driver that she was talking about, right? <laughs> and the two wannabes, Michael, who's back there, and David, who's right here. Uh, from our family to yours, listen. I am in the prime of my life right now. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about my age. I'm certainly not talking about my physical condition. I'm talking about the prime because I am in the sweet spot of right where I know God wants me to be. And I am happier in my ministry than I have ever been in any aspect of my life career-wise ever before. I just know that I know that it's harvest time. And I am willing to work to bring in the harvest, but I cannot do it on my own. I need you to collaborate with me and cooperate with me. And you know what happens when we work together? We can get a little snip, snippy every now and then, right? You ever do that with a colleague working really hard? It's because people working together, it brings camaraderie, but it can also bring a little bit of uh, frustration. And so we're going to try to deal with frustration. We've been really good about dealing with that so far. And so when that starts to happen to you, pray. Because we've got to bring in a harvest. And the devil wants to get us distracted. And so from our family to yours, we are so thankful for these relationships. You're our family. And we're grateful. And we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Harvest New Year. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. 
God bless you, New Life Church. Y'all are dismissed. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God.